Hello everyone, this is uh, Alex Longo, and today I'm going to uh, start the new episode of our podcast, Agents of Innovation. And uh, I'm very happy to have uh, uh, two of my colleagues, Francois and Diane. So let me start off to briefly introducing myself for, the, for those who doesn't know me. So I'm Alex Longo, I'm the Head of Growth and Partnership at uh, Leighton Canada. I've been in the company for almost three years now. And uh, I'm more specialized in, uh, in the R&D tax credit in Canada called SHREM. However, in the past three years, we had uh, you know, a tremendous growth and uh, we had two, uh, you know, two great uh, colleagues who joined us in this, uh, uh, in this beautiful adventure. And, uh, uh, and it is, uh, I have with me uh, Francois Hugo and, uh, uh, and Diane, I'm sorry, and Diane Koish. So Francois, uh, could you give us a, you know, a, a brief intro uh, of yourself and uh, how things have started at Leighton and, um, and yeah. Hey Alex, uh, thank you for having me, really appreciate it. So basically, simply speaking, I've, I've always been in the same field throughout the last 25 years. The first half, I was really in asset management at a financial institution, trying to maximize returns for clients. Then I moved on to private equity, where I got more into the operational side on how to really generate uh, returns or, um, yeah, returns, basically. Then I realized that, you know, property tax real estate is really interesting. We can really, really help clients. Um, actually, property tax is not something that is that known. And in, in addition to that, people are not re really using, uh, using it like proactively. Uh, they're much more proactive with income tax, financial, sales tax. Property tax is, yeah, it's, it's relatively known, but not used as proactively as it should. Excellent. So I look forward to, you know, for, for us to tell us uh, a bit more about, uh, about this. And, and Diane, to tell us a bit more about yourself. Hi, Alex. Uh, yeah, thanks for, for inviting me along. A little bit about myself. I guess I've been in real estate uh, nearing 20 years here now. Uh, spent time as a realtor you know, doing sales for commercial and residential and some rural and farmland there as well, too. Then spent some time as a tax assessor, so working for municipalities, uh, deriving those values for property tax. And some time as a commercial appraiser, so I'm accredited uh, commercial appraiser in Canada, um, doing that. And, uh, and property tax as well too, working with clients in order to reduce their property tax liability and ensuring those assessments are coming wow. in correctly. And you do have, that's very impressive, and you do, and the role you have at Leighton Canada, you're located in Alberta in Calgary, if I'm, if, I, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, and you do have a lead role in the consulting side of, uh, of, of, of the practice. Yeah, that's right. So I'm, I'm based out of Calgary. So I am uh, Western Canada lead. So I'm overseeing our assessments for our clients in BC, Alberta and Saskatchewan. Dabble a little bit in helping out the Ontario team as well, too. Wow, so. that's, that's a lot on your plate. So let's get it started. First things first. So Francois, you mentioned that, uh, you know, property tax is, is fairly known or 
not that known or even unknown. So uh, can you tell us, like, you know, can you tell us, uh, tell uh, the audience or share with the audience what is it about, you know, like it's the first time they're hearing it about? Yeah, what I was trying to convey is that it's not the sexiest topic. Um, and it's also perceived, you know, takes very specific designations to be able to to uh, contest efficiently. Dian alluded to that. So often people will see their property tax bill. Uh, it's uncomfortable, but they pay it. Don't ask too much questions. Now, the real estate market, we all know, uh, it's going up quite dramatically. Uh, we see it in some areas of uh, the province of Quebec, western provinces, like uh, Diane mentioned. And in Ontario, believe it or not, because of the pandemic, uh, taxpayers are still paying property taxes based on a 2016 valuation. We're in 2022. Next year, we'll be in 2023. And it's still the case. So once the pandemic ends... And the Ministry of Finance of Ontario make the determination that it's time to do a reval. Um, property assessments will be adjusted accordingly, 50, 60, 80 percent. And property taxes will be adjusted accordingly. I suspect, Alex, that at that stage, when that happened, taxpayers will pay a lot more attention to this. Oh, wow. So, so is it fair if I understand that the pandemic has, uh, you know, driven the property tax to go up after a short break? Is that is that how I should understand it? Or someone new to the... No, what, what happened is that the, um, the pandemic has driven uh, the Ministry of Finance of Ontario to postpone the revaluation of the properties, which is creating some distortion because it's... It's, it's a seven-year cycle now when it, historically it's a four-year cycle. So properties have gone up dramatically and there is going to be this adjustment that ultimately is going to happen. And at that stage, um, people will, will want to talk about property taxes. It's going to be very important. You look at Western Canada where it happens annually and people want to talk about it. Uh, we look in the province of Quebec where it happens every three years. People want to talk about it. It's just that in Ontario, it seems that people may have forgotten a little bit about it because the last time it happened was in 2016, but it's going to come. Okay. And it's it's because they, they forgot about it because it's, the, the, the assessment cycle is like so far apart. Is, is that the reason or? Usually it's a four year. So basically in 2016, they got their new values for 17, 18, 19 and 20. In Ontario, it's a phased in cycle. So every year it increase a little bit to reach smoothly uh, the destination. Uh -huh. Because of the pandemic, the Ministry of Finance of Ontario decided to extend the cycle. So for the last um, two years and three years next year, nobody's will, will have seen a slight increase in property tax. That's why people are getting comfortable. But when there's a reval, it's going to come where there's going to be a, an increase. So, so we, we, we talked about, uh, you know, that is not that known, but how about people don't like take it or uh, clients or property owners 
take it as, you know, they, they don't like it, they pay the bill, but you mentioned that they weren't proactive. How can they be more proactive? Well, it's part of managing the, the, the financial situation of your, of your uh, corporation, company, or if you own it personally. It's just that we look at financial statements, income statements. Um, you know, there, there's many components to look at. When it comes to property tax, it's not as available. It's not as in your face. You have to search for it. And, and when you look at a CFO or a controller, their days are full, like yours, like mine, Deanne's. Um, they have to make that extra effort to find out who could be a good consultant. I have to do my due diligence. So at one point they decide, well, you know what, I'll focus on what I know. Because, you know, getting out of my comfort zone is sometimes it's not something that we tend naturally to do unless forced mm -hmm. to. Uh, okay. Okay. Thanks. And in and, the and can you give us maybe like, is there a different uh, situation out west in Canada compared to Ontario in terms of, uh, you know, the, the, the we have reevaluation cycles or anything else that, that, that we should be aware of? Well, usually... Yeah, I think, um, I guess across every jurisdiction, there's similarities and there's some differences. So throughout Canada and the U.S., your property tax is determined based on the value of your property at a set period of time. So no matter where you are in North America, it's your value is worth this much at this time. And that's what they apply, what they call a mill rate. So that's your property tax rate in order to derive your property taxes, which are paid to the municipality. So in order to derive that, they kind of have set legislation in place for each jurisdiction in order to determine what that is. So in BC and Alberta, they're on a, what they call a one-year cycle. So they pinpoint their values as a July 1st of the previous year. So for 2022, it's based on July 1st of 2021. And they redo their valuation and their cycle for all properties in those provinces every year. Saskatchewan's a little different. They're like Ontario, four-year cycle. Uh, Winnipeg's, it's on a two-year cycle, which they've also extended like uh, Ontario. So a little bit of different nuances as far as how you can appeal your property taxes, how you how you go about with that, that process um, and Someone who owns multiple properties across different jurisdictions would have to keep up to date on those timelines for, for their deadlines to appeal, when their property is valued by, and, and uh, when, when their appeal deadline comes. So um, I, guess, I guess the main difference here is, is definitely those valuation dates. So a lot of people in Ontario may have got their assessment notice back in 2016 said, okay, yeah, my property, is that worth that much? Don't even think about it. But as their assessment and their property taxes, their assessment stays the same, but their property taxes are increasing year over year because that mill rate has adjusted. Now they're getting a little more uncomfortable and don't know where to sit um, as far as appealing. Same thing with Alberta. We're looking here as of July last year, our, our property values have, have increased depending on, on the type of property. Um, and some people may feel, okay, I, I think my property is worth that much, but was it worth that much back in July of last year? And, and that's a good question. And 
what, what it sounds like is it doesn't seem like it's easy to keep up with all those things if you are a busy CFO or a, a busy, even a property manager. Am I, am I right to say this? Yeah, and, and a lot of the times property tax is a line item that, that is sitting there. And a lot of times it's the most significant line item as far as expenses go. Um, but if you're not sure on the process or or the level to, or whether or not it is worth contesting and appealing your property taxes or property assessment, because you can't actually appeal your property taxes, you can only appeal your assessment. Um, what, knowing what the process is, what to do, and having that real estate knowledge to actually go forth towards the assessor and the assessment agency and, and appeal that would be be a tough question for a lot of these people. So, <laughs> Francois, you're laughing. Is there anything else you wanted to add on this? No, I think Diane, like... Um... Nailed it. It's uh, it's it can be really what what she described. I just thought it was funny, but she's absolutely right. Okay, so so what's the process uh, is like about when you uh, when it, when you own a property or you are the sole renter of property? Uh, what is the process uh, to to make a like you know make sure that you are uh, paying the fair value or the fair amount of taxes? Well, it's a, it's a two-step process. The first the first thing we need to do is convey to property owners or sole tenant that we can certainly bring value to them, and that's the first step. And after that, the real work starts with Deanne and her team, who's going to really demonstrate how to bring value. So yeah, I guess I guess at that point, um, you know if if a client brings forth their portfolio or their property or they feel a little concerned about uh, where their assessment is, my team, myself and my team of consultants will review that property and how that property is assessed. So ultimately we become authorized as the agent to act on their behalf um, to work with the assessor and we'll get the details there that they've used to derive that assessment. So how they've gone about on the valuation process to find out what that value is. Um, and we could do our work and, and review, make sure that it's done to the legislation um, accurately and is comparable with other properties within the municipality with comparable sales um, and, and make sure they are paying their fair share because no one wants to pay more than, more than their fair share of property taxes, right? And and what, for instance, just out of curiosity, for, for those who really don't know about property tax, what are the uh, what are the typical elements when you go on site uh, that could probably bring down the value of the property, the assessment of a valued property? Well, it may not be necessarily something on site. Um, it could be reflections in the marketplace and the economics that go behind that, would which would have an influence on the valuation. Um, sometimes it's a review and just ensuring that the information that the assessor has is correct and accurate and ensuring that the, what the client has and what's actually on that property is what's reflected in that assessment. Um, 
and uh, and yeah, just just ensuring that they've they've done their due diligence in the comparison on, um, on the sales. Okay, okay. So do you have any specifics in mind? For instance, uh, uh, could could there be uh, like the construction or like the removal of of an airport or something like that? Did you have anything specific that could drive down like a the, the Yes, so I think I've seen anything and everything throughout my career on properties. Uh, sometimes it's just it can be as little as a keying error um, on, on the assessment side. So that's where you know someone with the knowledge on on how the process works and and how these assessors are are deriving those values is is beneficial and and ensuring the things. It could be something as in an industrial building, the ceiling height was actually 30 feet, not 32 or, or something to that effect. It could be as something as the owner had an addition that they removed or demolished and, and wasn't notified to, to the city. So the assessor was still assessing something, um, a building or a structure that was on the building. So there's, there's tons of little nuances that can, can kind of go on um, with with that, especially as far as, as accuracy and elements within that, that assessment. But uh, it's un until we know kind of what's going on within, within what the assessors completed, uh, it's hard, hard to determine. Okay. Okay. And Francois, do you have any, 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 anything in mind that you come you came across in, in, in those 25 years of experience that they like, you know, that were like really influential in, in driving properties value down or up? No, I mean, I would defer to uh, Diane on this, but uh, at my end of the spectrum, I run sometimes in situation where, like Diane was saying, sometimes like, well, not sometimes, regularly properties are getting reassessed. And we run in cases where, especially currently, the market is, is crazy. And I've seen in some areas like average increase to 30 to 50%. In assessment, which going to translate into a corresponding increase or similar increase in property taxes. But the most extreme case that came across my desk was an increase of, what was it, 98.6% uh, increase. So this gentleman's property is set to be increased from $24 million to $48 million dollars. Uh, for the next cycle. So for them, and when we talk about the importance of this, and, and Diane mentioned it, it's one of the most, if not the most important line item for them. Uh, that particular case of the increase of 98% or so, that represented 1.6 million more in property taxes over the next cycle. So she, it, it's really important to look at all of this. And when we say, wow, it's not that sexy, well, it's really important too because money is money, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it seems so unfair. Like you know, when you look at it from this perspective, like how can like how is it so arbitrarily done? Like uh, you know, is it a municipality? Like how they are calculating uh, like so many properties in a uh, you know uh, in a province and uh, saying that this part is going to have. 50% increase this part. How, how do we are doing this? And is it different from uh, province to province? 
Given uh, Diane's well, past experience, I think she can get it really, uh, really, really good. I, I think this, this is where assessment and appraisal differ, right? So when you look at a single property and you're going and completing this appraisal report, there's a lot of due diligence that goes in comparison on that specific property in comparison to others um, and, and driving what the value is on that specific property. When you're looking at mass appraisals, so if we even take BC, for example, where every year BC assessments going and looking at all these properties and coming up with a value each time, the way they're going about this is on a mass appraisal basis is what we call it. So they take a statistical model, run multiple regressions in order to drive values for each property. So anytime there's a sale, uh, they do their due diligence, do their investigation and plug it into their model which then relates to all the properties that they have registered with all the information they have and spits out a number, right? So models are only as good as the data. So if the data is good, it should actually spit out a relatively accurate value. And depending on the jurisdiction, they're going to have their leniences uh, here in Alberta. They have to be within 5% of their assessment to sales ratio um, when they go to submit to audit. However, if the data isn't 100% accurate all the time, that's where you can find those deviations. And something as like commercial real estate, which has a lot of nuances as far as economics go, um, as far as locations go, um, different, different outside factors, as well as what it is within the building, those can play different aspects where the model needs a little bit more tweaking and a little bit more work. And that's where us as consultants can kind of come in and make sure that that model spit out an accurate value. Oh, you're muted, Alex. I'm sorry. So um, about consultants, like, you know, what I'm always curious about, like, typically a, uh, a property owner could claim on their own their property tax, but, uh, you know, they're busy enough and they might not be able to. So they reach out to consultants, but you can have all kind of consultants. What, uh, you know, maybe it's a loaded question, I don't know, but uh, uh, what is the difference between uh, a, a good consultant and an average consultant? Because it seems like, you know, there's a lot of opportunities out there. There's a lot of players out there. So how can, a, uh, how can someone who has a property or a few properties find out which consultants to work with and what are the key points they have to look at before choosing a consultant to work with? Well, the thing about this industry is anyone and everyone can call themselves a consultant. There's no regulation set out in place in order for people to be representatives for property tax. So the difference between a good consultant and a bad consultant and the difference between a, a property owner peeling and going through the process themselves versus hiring someone, it's gonna be experience, expertise, knowledge of the systems, and, and the ability to actually properly look at these, these assessments and, and ensuring that they're fair and they're accurate. So with myself, I have two designations. So I'm an accredited assessor from my time that I, when I was an assessor, and I'm an accredited appraiser. So. Though we're talking tax, it's not necessarily 
something like a CPA would know. What you need, you're not appealing the property tax, you're appealing that property assessment. So you need to know what goes into that valuation. So your consultant should have a very strong understanding of commercial real estate, the processes that go um, as far as appealing those taxes, the legislation that, that indicates how these assessors should be um, compiling these property taxes and, and the knowledge on how to go about it. Okay, so what I understand here, so there's no real like, you know, you know, in order to be a lawyer, you need to pass the bar and there's not, not, not really such thing when it comes to property tax. However, uh, you know, you need to have a certain level of expertise to really to go appeal uh, and make it successful or maximize the returns for the clients applying uh, for you, for yourself. So you need to consider who's who's working on my uh, on my claims and what are the certifications that what are the certifications that they have. So th- this was on the on the consulting side. I know Francois, you are more on the on the relationship side. Is there any uh, a, a, any feedback you could give between a good and not so good consulting firm or consultant? Well, uh, you know, I actually have an example, and it, it's just going to reinforce what uh, Dion said, where it's not only the firm who you do business with, but it's the actual consultant that's going to handle your file. Um, We have a client who, now a client, who was told by um, a firm, uh, no, there's no opportunity for reduction here. We, We won't represent you. And then this client, as they should, uh, asked for a second opinion. And little did you know, six months later, we obtained a significant reduction after a big consulting firm said, no, no opportunities. Well, we did. There was, in fact, an opportunity that was actually significant. So to Deanne's point, competence, know-how, knowledge are key in in this business. I see. I see. And... Well, and I think to, to kind of even put it into the easiest scenario is you can hire anyone to do your books, to do your accounting work, but you could hire a CPA or you can hire the little old lady sitting in her house ready, ready to do your books. And I think that that's the greatest comparison is I'm sure the little old lady sitting in the house ready to, to do your books has has done it for some years, may not, but she may not have that education and expertise to find the little nuances and make sure that things are done accurately and correctly as someone with a CPA. And uh, that, that, that I like I like the analogy. <laughs> and uh, I, I want to come back on, on the relationship side because, you know, Leighton, we are like a, a sales, also sales-driven organization. And uh, when it comes to be proactive, how, for instance, Francois, your team works uh, uh, on the proactive side to reach out to the clients? Is there anything specific that you guys do with the team? Well, the difference with this particular line of services or line of service and others is that the information is readily available. So when we reach out to clients, we've worked with DN consultants to identify who do we, actually, who should we talk to? Uh, we could talk to everybody, but there's we, we can basically qualify 
where there's potential opportunities, who should we talk to, and what to say to them, because we understand the value of time. So if I am to take five, six, seven minutes of someone's time to talk to them, I want to bring value to the table. Whether they're going to use us or not is one thing, but at least they're going to remember that when we spoke together, value was put on the table within 60 seconds of the beginning of the conversation. So that's, that's how we work. Once this is done, um, and for example, the taxpayer wants to come on board, they're passed on to the consulting team, Deanna and her team, but we work, uh, the clientele side and the consulting team are working hand in hand. So the client is always uh, informed, is always talking to, to the people they want to talk to, they're used to. So it's really a um, seamless uh, process mm -hmm. there. Okay. And, and would you say it's a standard in the industry or is it something specific to Leighton or some of the top players in the field? Uh, it's hard to comment on the industry as a whole. It's uh, it's an industry that has been operating for many decades uh, similarly. But uh, Leighton, we, we spend quite a bit of an amount of time um, making sure that when we call someone, there's value brought to the mm -hmm. table. And um, so... I I've heard like in, in various conversations is that some some of the uh, in the industry some some of the firms have so many appeals in their hand that they uh, they they go they go through a different process uh, to find savings to their clients rather than doing an appeal is that uh, is that accurate what I've heard or is it is is it just like a, you know uh, like an urban legend let's say let's put it this way. I'll let uh, Deanne comment on this one. I can only speak really to what Leighton does. It's it's hard to it's hard to say what other other companies are doing, but uh, the Leighton approach is to review each each property and ensure that uh, things are are done correctly. Okay, <laughs> come on, guys. It's between you. It's between between us. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, let's switch on, uh, on, on, on quickly on the topic. So Francois, typically, where does uh, you know the, the savings or the refunds that those uh, clients who does appeal with us or with a, a property tax consultant, how they, do they typically reuse it? Have you heard of uh, any way they reuse it, especially in a, in a context where uh, you know uh, so, some companies are cash strapped, some. Um, or with the pandemic, they have lost business? Um, so basically what I've heard, and that was as recent as today, is that you could see that the increase would be quite, quite a bit significant. And they, would, they, they, they wanted to minimize the impact uh, because their operation is really important to them. So... Uh, any cash that is being saved is usually, from what I can can understand, being uh, reinvested in operations. That is for um, someone who owns the, the property and the business inside and is actually operating a business. If we look at bigger portfolios where um, the, 
the owner is owning multiple properties and is in the business of deriving an income from owning real estate, um, that's a little bit different because the, the tenants that are operating corporations is one thing, but the owner owning all the properties, uh, reducing property tax is basically um, increasing their uh, net operating income, which is the, their main main driver there. So it depends from what perspective you're seeing. It. Okay, I see. And if you are a, um, let's say, uh, if you own a, if you're a pro, you own a property owner or uh, a store renter, to what is what is the amount of property tax? Uh, let's say you, you should be paying or uh, you have as a liability uh, to start to consider, um, you know, look for consultant optimizing it. Sometimes maybe the, the time going through the process is, is not worth it. So uh, is there any specifics like there's a threshold where at some point, yeah, now it start to make sense to, to optimize and is it different between province to province? Well, who am I to say that a threshold is important to a property owner or a, a sole tenant? So um, we, we, we have a, a personalized conversation with, with uh, prospective clients. We look at the overall situation and see if it makes sense for them. And sometimes it's, the answer is going to be, you know, um, we're going to spend time, you and I, and doing all of this for potentially not something that is worth your time from a, an ROI perspective, because time is scarce for everybody. Sometimes it's worth it. So it's more on a case-by-case -case basis. Case-by-case -case basis. Okay. okay. Um, so let, let's switch the fun stuff. So I, I basically wanted to, uh, you know, uh, be the moderator of this pod podcast to, you know, hear the stories, like some of the, funny uh, odd stories that you guys had uh, in a you know in, in your experience is there anything like you know for instance Francois or Diane Francois in your 25 experience of working in the pro in the property field and Diane in, in your long tenure in the property field that that that's that stood that stood out and you still remember you laugh at sometimes when you tell about your colleagues about and you'd want to share here without naming any specific client name or numbers but Something like you have you had to do and go above and beyond, or something, uh, you know, things uh, think outside the box to get the job done. Yan can have the fun stuff from a, an appraisal and valuation perspective that I feel would be really interesting here. Putting me on the spot, I'm trying to think of some some good stories here for you, Alex. <laughs> No, there's, there's always been, like you said, commercial real estate is, is such a, a wide and, and diverse, uh, you know, situation. And uh, you come across different things all the time. Um, gosh, uh, the situations where I've been and, and clients, uh, you know, have had flooded basements and whatnot in in their properties and working with the assessors and in order to to just quantify something like that because it is it is tough it's like okay this basement's not in use you know or there's contamination issues how do you how do you quantify that enough in order to to place their uh, a proper value on that and, and working with the assessor on that i guess 
even as far as a personal experience here with myself, I'm uh, I'm working on an appeal with my and Layton. We try to avoid doing anything for single family residential, but I'm working on an appeal on my own house here, um, where it's a little fun just working with the assessor to actually drive what this is because the assessment's actually lower than what we paid for it but uh you know it's it becomes down to a point of equity here and and making sure that what my personal household is valued you know equitably and accurately in comparison to my neighbors so my neighbors sitting on the ravine with a walkout basement should they have the same assessment as me on the corner of, uh, of a busy road, right? So um, it kind of comes down to, to some fun little nuances with, with real estate. <laughs> I'm sure everyone wouldn't seem quite as excited about some of these little fun tidbits that I have. Um, but, but, you know, I find, I find it interesting, especially the diversity and, and the workings of real estate and, and uh, how these valuations come about. Mm-hmm. And uh, and François, I'm sure you uh, you you have a few stories in 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 your mind. Yeah, but I don't want to share them. Uh, I've seen often um, potential client thinking like, uh, well, you know, like my assessment is X, but I think the market value is Y, so it's it's not worth doing it. What people often missed is that when they look at the mark current market value and they compare it to this, their assessment, those are two completely different point in time. So when we, we discuss this, it, it needs to, we need to compare um, apple to, apples to apples. So that's a conversation where I often get involved in trying to clarify things for people. For example, in Ontario, we, we all know market has, has gone up dramatically. So they don't want to review their their, their current property taxes. But when they realize that, look, we're in 2022, what we're talking here is a value in early 2016, completely different things. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but the potential for reduction is always something that they're gonna, they're gonna, go, uh, they're gonna go with. Another f- funny fact is that sometimes settlements can be significant. Uh, there's this story, it's, it's an old story, but it was um, uh, commercial or industrial properties where there was a big settlement. The properties, uh, properties assessment got reduced in half. And when that settlement happened, it would have bankrupted the municipality. So they had to make a, a longer term arrangement to that was beneficial for both uh, the municipality and the taxpayer. So those are extreme cases, but... It's always in between, but I can promise you one thing. We always have fun, and I'm sure Deanne can confirm that. There's not a day that is similar to the other one. Okay. Uh, thanks, François. Uh, so just to come back on real quick, what is the typical timeline like, you know, of a mandate? That, that I forgot to add that question, but it's, it's quite important to, 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 to ask. Well, I think it would, the best answer for that would be it depends. <laughs> <laughs> so again, every jurisdiction has a little bit different timelines. Um, it it comes down to the point is 
when do you come across as a, as an owner on our like to Layton and whereabouts in the cycle it is. So you have your short cycles, which is a one-year turnaround with BC and Alberta, and then you get your long cycles that are supposed to be a four-year uh, cycle there with, with Ontario, and we're up to seven years on this. Um, obviously, you can, can work through that every year. There's an appeal deadline every year in Ontario, um, same it is as in Alberta, but it, it, I guess it, this is it, is it, it depends. So... Um, for example, here in Calgary right now, we are right in the middle of appeal season is what we say. So um, from the date that notice of assessment is mailed, which is the first week of January here in Calgary, you have about 60 days in Alberta to work with that assessor and review your assessment before that appeal deadline. So the appeal deadline is coming up here in Calgary. That's March 14th. What right now we're doing is dealing with these assessors on what we call client review period or CRP. So we work well with the assessors to attempt to come to sort of a consensus on, on these um, properties if, if we feel that there's any sort of discrepancy. Um, if at that point we can't come to an agreement with the assessor, we'll file that appeal. Um, and then you have to go before a board. So your board date gets set and you have to prepare your evidence and, and present before a board as a quasi-judicial board. They say out their opinion. And from there, you can, if you don't agree with it, you can you can take it to the Court of Queen's bench there and, and continue to progress it further. But it could be as quickly as you sign today. I speak with the assessor tomorrow. Something's at the point where it's, okay, we come to an agreement and and come with you there the next day so it could be completed as quickly as that in, in this time period um or it could be drug out into the appeal process so it depends <laughs> yeah it's uh, yeah it, it's a simple question but with a with a complex answer i get it i get it um so we're coming close to the uh you know the end of uh, this uh this this episode so François, I, I, I'd like you to uh, give us maybe a uh, little takeaway of of this session. What do what what do we uh, you know what do we have to remember of, uh, about property tax in let's say if we had to put it uh, into few bullet points? Oh my! You told me to be natural, and now you're asking me something. <laughs> <more>. <laughs> no, but like you know, let's say three or four points, or maybe a little more. Takeaway is number one to know that property taxes and your assessment can be can be reviewed. Uh, it's very important. Um, number two point is to be proactive with it. It's not to wait close to the deadline. It's to to it, it's something like best practices dictates that this is something that should be done uh, done on an ongoing basis. Those are two key points. And um, I mean, majority of corporations are not being proactive with this. So it's really important. That's why I talk about being proactive here. It's really, really important. And be uh, comfortable with the consulting firm you're working with. There's options out there. It's worth consult um, talking to many consulting firms. It's really important to be comfortable with the person who is advising you on this because in the end, very important topic we we were relaxed today but 
uh, by all means, this is a very serious business and it has consequences. So those, I would say, are the takeaways that I would think about. Okay, wonderful. Um, so yeah, I think uh, uh, I think we have the, the, the final word by, by Francois today. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for listening this, uh, this this episode of the podcast, Agents of Innovation. And uh, like to wish everyone a wonderful day or a wonderful evening. Thank you so much for your time. Agents of Change, a latent podcast, does not constitute a recommendation for any organization, product, or service. It's produced and recorded by Bluemax.